Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here as we continue on in our series for Advent, really looking at the importance of prayer, of longing, of anticipating and preparing for Jesus. And so today, before we have communion, I have a short devotional for you. And today I want to talk a little bit differently, actually. I want to shift things a little bit differently. That rather than looking at a familiar Christmas passage uh, this morning, what I want to do is actually look at a familiar Christmas theme that I think all of us have experienced. Today, what I really want to talk about is wishing, wanting, longing, and asking. And to kind of introduce us to this uh, Christmas theme of asking and receiving and all of that, I want to share with you a story uh, from me and my childhood growing up with Christmas. Now, I can imagine uh, that for all of us, we have all likely have different experiences, memories, um, or traditions with Christmas. Uh, but for me growing up and in my generation, and you might be able to relate to this, some of you, is what I can remember often doing is actually getting like the Christmas wish book and like circling the things we would hope for or want for or that, that we'd ask our parents for. I don't know how that happens today. I can imagine that teenagers just send their parents like an Amazon wish list or something like that. Um, but that's what I did growing up. And I remember this one specific year that what I was really desperate for, what I was really longing for, and this sounds silly, but this is what I, you know, my 12 or 13 year old self really wanted was the brand new Nintendo GameCube system. For me, this thing was like the best thing ever. It allowed four people to play for the first time ever. It was like, for me, like the height of what I was longing for for Christmas. Um, but you might have had this experience uh, as, as well as for me. But I knew growing up that there were certain kind of things you could ask for. Like you had the idea of the range of stuff that you might be likely to get, right? And I knew that in Nintendo GameCube, this was outside of what we would normally receive. Like this was a little bit beyond the reach of my parents or what they would often kind of share with us. My parents spent the same amount on each of us every single year. And so I kind of knew that this was, well, just really unlikely. But just because something is unlikely, follow with me, it doesn't mean you want it any less, right? It doesn't mean you don't long for it. And so for me, as my 12 or 13 year old self, this is what I was longing for. And so I can remember that specific Christmas going around and opening up gifts. Now, I think in general, there are two different ways that people open gifts. There is like the normal human way where you open them one at a time, right? There's that kind of family tradition. And then there's those families who open it all as a free for all. Clearly, my family, we're on the ordered tradition of things like, like shocking, I know, right? And so we were going around opening them all the gifts one at a time. That's what we did in our family. And I can remember as each gift was opened, follow with me, my expectations for the GameCube dropped a little bit, right? Because with each gift that was opened, the likelihood of receiving it was less and less and less. Because as I said, my parents spent the same amount every single year. And so I knew as I got like a piece of clothing or whatever else that the chances of a GameCube were like dwindling as we went. And finally, we opened up all the gifts and there was no GameCube. And for me, I was disappointed, but I wasn't unhappy because I knew this was a little bit or actually quite a bit outside of the reach of things for us. And so we opened up all of our gifts and we were uh, talking then as we often did. We went upstairs for breakfast. We were in our basement. And next to our dining room, there was our living room, actually. And as we uh, looked over in the living room, there was a TV there. And set up with the TV was a brand new GameCube with four controllers that like blew my little 12 or 13-year-old mind. This was the single greatest moment of Christmas for me. And I know... I know in some ways that this sounds really silly to say that the greatest moment of Christmas for me growing up uh, was something as commercial as a Nintendo GameCube. But for me, it wasn't just the, the gift. It was the surprise of it. It was the shock of it. It was the fact that I went through like hoping, disappointed, and then finding. It was just like for me, this is cemented in my mind as one of the greatest moments of my childhood, actually, where we then spent the next you know, eight to 12 hours playing this thing as a family. And so for me, these are the themes I actually want to talk about today. I want to talk about something bigger than just like receiving gifts and GameCubes. I want to talk about actually this idea that there are things in our lives that we long for, that we should actually be asking for, that we actually hope to receive. That's what I want to talk about uh, for us today. That I think on Christmas, a real theme of Christmas is actually asking, longing, and receiving. 
And that's what I want to look at. And today, though, I want to look at it not through the lens of asking, longing, and receiving gifts. Today, I want to look at the lens of asking, longing, and receiving in prayer. Because I think that we should be going to God in prayer. I think that we should be going to God. Here's my big idea. Naming and sharing and asking for the things that we need. I think we need to be doing this more, not less. I think that God actually wants to shower us with what we need. I think that God is generous and good. And so for this Advent, what I want to encourage and challenge you right off the bat is that we should go to God in prayer asking for what we need. And I'm not sure that we do this as boldly as we should. I think what has happened is that because of some movements in Christianity that have been quite false and hurtful and and erroneous in many ways, things like name it and claim it, things like treating God like a vending machine or like Santa Claus, that there are some Christians who have swung to the other side and they don't actually really truly name what they're wanting, name what they're needing, name what they're longing for. We might curb our expectations a little bit. We might not be as specific to God as sharing what it is that we want or need in our lives. And so today, what I want to encourage you is just this. I want to encourage you that this Christmas and this Advent, that you should be going to God in prayer and actually naming and asking for what you want and need. And today, I want to give you three reasons, three reasons why we should be doing this, that if we're going to be doing it, you know, with kids are doing it with their parents right now, with gifts, that we should at least be going to God, the true Father, and sharing with him what we really need, our deep-seated actual desires, things that are bigger and more meaningful than a GameCube. And so today, I want to share with you, as I said, three reasons why I think we should get in the habit and the practice of actually going to God and asking for what we need in prayer. And those three reasons are is that asking is relational, that asking is vulnerable, and that asking actually builds trust. So let's take a look at those three reasons together. The first thing I want to say is that the reason that we need to actually go to God uh, clearly asking for what we need is that asking someone something in a relational context, it actually draws you closer. That asking actually brings you closer. That asking actually brings that relationship closer. And I want to explain this a little bit by comparing and contrasting what I see are two different things, asking and wishing. Here's an example of what asking can look like, okay? That as a parent of three young kids, what I've experienced this Christmas season is each of them at some point, like crawling up onto my lap, sitting there and sharing with me what they are hoping for, what they are longing for, what they are excited about. And I get to see the excitement in their eyes. I get to feel that. I get to see that. Right? That's what I think asking is. It's asking in the context of relationship. Wishing is something different. Wishing is when you want something devoid of relationship. So this could be an example of wishing. Uh, right now, our kids aren't doing this, but um, they're crawling up onto my lap and telling me what they're looking for. Um, but imagine the difference between that experience and then like Hudson uh, making a list in an Excel spreadsheet with Amazon links to all that he's wanting. Right? That's really wishing devoid of relationship. And here's what I want to say is that when my kids crawl up on my lap, or for example, the other day, one of them crawled up on my lap and they said, you know what I'm really looking for, Dad? They're longing for Diary of the Wimpy Kid book. There's a new one. And they share with me why this book matters to them. They share with me how they like it and how funny it is. And after them asking, follow with me, I actually felt closer to them, not less. That I think that when we are truly open, when we really open up and share what we are wanting, it actually draws people closer. So this is what I want to encourage you with, that one of the reasons that we need to go to God so clearly asking and naming whatever it is that is on our hearts is that it actually draws us closer to God. It actually brings us closer to God. And yes, for sure, you can go to God in a way that is disrespectful without relationship, where you're treating him like a vending machine or treating him like Santa Claus, and those ways are to be rejected. But when you go to God with respect and care and compassion and you say, God, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm longing for, this is what I'm needing or wishing or hoping for, that kind of asking is needed and it is spiritual and it is actually important because it draws you closer to God. Jesus himself actually is someone who speaks so clearly and says, this is the kind of thing we need to be doing in our relationship with God. 
that we should be boldly going to him and naming what it is that we need. Listen to what Jesus himself says, okay? Um, Jesus puts it this way. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if you ask your children for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? He says, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to follow with me to those who ask him, to those who ask him, to those who ask him. So I want to encourage you this Christmas, one of the reasons that we should be going to God boldly and saying, this is what I'm hoping for or longing for or needing, and we should go to him and asking in prayer is that it actually does draw you closer to him because our God is a good father who actually wants to be generous, who actually has that a part of his very nature. So I think it's important to go to him in the context of relationship and saying, God, this is what I need because that actually draws you closer to God, not further away. The second thing that asking does in prayer when you do it and you go to him openly and honestly is that not only does it draw you closer if you ask well, it actually also opens you up. That the very uh, act of asking forces you to be vulnerable. That's what I want to encourage you. And I want to show with you how this works. Um, actually in an often forgotten or kind of skipped over passage. I want to read to you the beginning of John. Okay? And in John 1, this is really like John's birth story. We often focus in at Christmas and at Advent on Matthew and Luke. right? Um, but here's John's kind of birth story. This is what he says. He says, in the beginning the word existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to the darkness. Um, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then John continues. He's clearly here showing that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is the word of God, that Jesus is divine. He says, so the word became human though and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the uh, father's one and only son. So John introduces it to us that Jesus is both fully human and fully divine. And then in 1 John, what we read, or the very first chapter of John, is we read the very first words of this divine and human one. And do you want to know what the very first words of Jesus are in the book of John? They are this. They are, what do you want? These are the very first recorded words of Jesus. What do you want? What do you want? We read this. It says, in following the day, John was standing uh, with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he asked them, what do you want? And here's why for me that question is so important for us to actually answer, for us to actually answer in prayer, for us to go to God and really name the things that we want. Because if we answer this question honestly, what you'll notice is this, that if you answer it, it'll either open you up to God or close you off to God. Right? That if you answer this question, it'll either open you up to God or close you off to God. Let's imagine right here and right now that Jesus is asking you that question, that he's sitting in front of you and he's really asking you, what do you want? What do you want this Christmas? What do you want in your heart and in your soul? Imagine that you can have two different responses. One, you can actually open yourself up. You can reveal your heart to him. You can be vulnerable with him where you actually get drawn closer and you name it and you share it with him. The second response is to not answer that question, is to maybe kind of bury your actual wants, hopes, needs, and desires. So what I want to share with you as clearly as I can is one of the reasons I think that asking is so important in prayer is not only does it draw us closer to God, but that truly asking, truly naming what it is that we want, it actually opens us up to God. It forces us to be vulnerable with God. It forces us to be real with God. It really kind of layers, lay, lays our soul and our heart bare to God. 
And so I want to encourage you this Christmas and this Advent that we need to be going to God boldly in prayer and asking and naming for what we need and want. Because one of the reasons is, is that it draws us close to God. Another reason is, is that it actually forces us to open up to God. And a third reason that we need to be practicing this is that it actually also builds trust with God. And to explore this idea, I want to read to you some of the early prayers of the Israelite people, some of the beliefs that they had for the coming Messiah, for Jesus. This is how they spoke about him. This is what they were longing for and looking for. They said this, and these are all from Isaiah. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for eternity. They're longing and waiting and praying for a Messiah who will come and live with justice. That's part of what's going on here. And it says the passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven's armies will make this happen. Or later on in Isaiah, there's another passage about the Messiah, the one that they were longing for and praying for and anticipating at Christmas. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released, that prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell all those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is a prophecy and a prayer about Jesus, about how he will act, that he will actually bring freedom, that he will bring new life and restore things. Or lastly, in Isaiah 65, we read of another prophecy of the Messiah, the thing that people were praying for. We read this, that while I will answer them uh, before they even call to me, while they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. They say, and the wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat hay like a cow. And in these different prophecies and prayers for the Messiah, there's lots that we could cover. But what I want to notice at the base level is just this that the people who are praying these prayers, these amazing and almost audacious prayers, that there would be a time of such justice and freedom that people's lives would be changed, that there would be a time of such peace that even a wolf and a lamb will be able to eat together, that what they are praying is this, that when they are actually asking God for this to be true, they are in some way, shape, or form trusting that God can actually come through on these prayers. That what I want us to notice is that when the Israelites are praying these prayers, that praying is actually an act of trusting. Okay, that when you actually go to God and you say, this is what I need, even that small act of asking is actually an act of trusting. Let me put it this way. Okay? With our kids right now, um, here are some of the things that they are longing for this Christmas. Okay? Hudson is really longing for some Yu-Gi-Oh cards. He really wants some new books because he loves to read. And this marble works thing. That's what he's been asking for. Asher, our middle child, um, what he really wants is a baby Yoda. Because as he says, how can you resist his face? Baby Yoda is so cute. This is what he's longing for and asking for for Christmas. And Eden, our six-year-old daughter, all she wants is anything that is pink and unicorns and Elsa. This is where they're at. Okay? But I want to notice something in their actual asking. Notice with me. All the gifts that they're asking for, right? We're talking about like books, a baby Yoda, and a unicorn. Right? All the things that they're asking for are within my reach to give. That these are things that are possibilities for me. Right? They're not asking for things that are far outside of our reach. Right? They're not asking for a million dollars. They're not asking for hot tubs. They're not asking for jet skis, things that they know aren't going to happen. Notice with me that what they ask for reveals and what they believe can come true. Right? That what they ask for reveals what they believe could even be given. So what I want us to notice for is that when we curb our bets with God, when we don't truly name what it is we are hoping for, we are actually in some way kind of saying that God isn't good or powerful enough or good enough to be able to actually answer our prayers. 
So what I want to encourage you today, what I want to encourage you in this Advent is to boldly name whatever it is you need because God is good, he is true, and he does answer prayers. That one of the reasons the Israelites could go to God and naming these audacious prayers about the Messiah where there'd be a time of justice and true peace is that they believed that God could actually answer them. That when you ask with the deepest things in your life, you are in that moment actually trusting in God because you don't go to him with things that you don't believe he can actually answer. So I want to encourage you that we need to then be praying for more because our God is good, our God is just, our God is generous, our God is gracious, and our God is a part of our lives and he answers prayers. So I want to encourage you to actually pray about every single thing in your life because praying is actually an act of trusting. That's what it is. When you open yourself up to God and say, this is what I need, you're actually believing he can answer it. That just as my kids are saying to me, this is the kind of thing that I can give to them, we need to be actually going to God with more than um, kind of curbing our expectations or our bets or having hesitations. What I think we need to do is that we need to pray deeper because prayer is an act of trust. And we never pray unless we believe that God can act on it. So this Christmas and this Advent, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to actually ask for God for what it is that you want and need in your life. I think that we actually need to be going to him with all that is within us. And one of the reasons I kind of want to encourage you in this, or the three of the reasons, are that when you're truly asking in that respectful, caring, prayerful way, that when you're taking Jesus' words seriously, where he says, keep on asking, knocking, and seeking, that when you do this, it actually draws you closer to God, it opens you up in God, and it's actually an act of trust in God. That to ask him for something is actually trusting that he can come through. So I want to encourage you this Christmas to actually name and to go to him in prayer because it draws you closer, it opens you up, and it's an act of trust. So what's my main point today? My main point is just really simple, that we need to name to God in prayer what it is we were wanting, hoping for, and longing for this Christmas. That we need to name to God in prayer what it is that we are wanting for, hoping for, and longing for this Christmas. I think that around this world right now, there are millions of kids doing that with their you know, actual parents, saying this is what we're hoping for. But we need to do that with our good and heavenly Father, actually sharing to him what it is deep down we are hoping for, what it is deep down we are longing for, what it is deep down we are wishing for. Because I think that this stuff goes so much deeper than a GameCube for so many of us. There are some real needs that we need to name and to bring to God. So my challenge for this Advent and for this week is this. Would you name to Jesus Christ what it is that you want and need in your heart? That's my challenge. Would you name in prayer to Jesus Christ what it is that you want and need in your heart? I want to encourage you, actually, in this naming, in this sharing, in this asking, in this really opening up to him, would you name not only big, major things? Would you name things like your health challenges or financial crises or whatever it is that's going on? Would you name not only big things, but follow with me, would you also name to him small things, everyday things? Because what I found, at least for me personally, is that when I start to go to God really naming and asking the everyday things, it strengthens my faith for the larger things. Let me say that again. That when I go to God asking and naming the little everyday things, it strengthens my faith for the larger things. And one of the places I've seen my faith strengthen most in the past couple of months is when I've been naming some really specific small things. Do you want to know what it is? It's actually been with parking spots. Now, I know this might sound funny, but I've mentioned this many times before, how I actually get quite stressed and anxious over parking. I know that for some of you, this might seem kind of ridiculous. And to me, intellectually and rationally, it seems quite ridiculous. But there are times where I actually like, refuse invitations because I'm worried about parking. It stresses me out that much. If I'm driving to Toronto or something or have a meeting there, I will, like months ahead of time, go on to Google Maps to try to make sure I can find multiple different parking spots because it's just really, I don't know, it stresses me out a lot. But here's what I started to notice in my own life, that with all of this stress and anxiety around parking, for some reason, I never actually prayed about parking spots. I think one of the reasons was because I felt it was kind of silly to burden God with something so small. I felt when there's so much bigger stuff going on, like COVID and you know, difficulties all over the world, that this seemed, 
I don't know, a little weird to bother him with. That even though this affected my life, I didn't seem to open it up to him with my life. But I got challenged a couple of months ago to pray really specifically about everyday things. So I started praying about parking spots. And do you want to know what I noticed? All of a sudden, God started answering those prayers, which I know seems really silly when there's such major things going on. But here's why, for me, this is so important to name everyday prayers. Because when I would name it, and when a parking spot would be there, all of a sudden, I'm not only giving uh, thanks to God or the small piece of asphalt that I found, right? All of a sudden, though, it actually strengthens my faith for the bigger prayers that I need answered. That when we go to him with everyday little things and they get answered, it strengthens our hearts and our lives for the bigger things a part of our lives. So today... Today, I want to encourage you to, yes, absolutely go to God and name those deepest longings. Name the massive things that you're hoping for. Name the massive things that you're longing for. Because our God is good and he is generous and he answers prayer. But then also, don't forget the everyday things, the ongoing things, the things that you need. Because those things, when God answers them, it'll actually feed your life with faith and with trust so you can believe in him bigger and more than ever before. Because this is just what I've noticed, is that prayer is not only an act of trust. When you truly pray and ask, it actually builds trust. So that's why I want to encourage you in this year, in this Advent. So what's my main point today? My main point is just really simple. That I think that we should go to God with all that is in our hearts, minds, and souls and really name it to him. Because asking and going to him in this relationship, in this context, it draws you closer, it actually opens you up, and then it builds trust. And so I want to challenge you this Christmas and this Advent, would you go to him and name the things big and small that you need to be praying about? Big and small that are upon your heart. Big and small that you are wishing, hoping, and longing for. And so to close our time together, we actually want to take some time to just personally connect with Jesus and to really maybe even just answer that question that Jesus asked in the book of John. What is it that you want? What is it that you want this Christmas? I want to have a time of communion, which really is about connecting with Jesus Christ. And so while we come into this time for communion, I want to invite you to, yes, um, be thankful for Jesus' sacrifice, to actually be so grateful for what he has done and to examine your own heart and mind and soul. I also don't want to remind us that um, because of communion, because of the cross, and because of Christmas, we can trust that God answers prayers, and so we should go to him even in communion saying, God, this is what's on my heart. This is what is just heavy here. Will you be able to meet me in this space? I want to invite you to really boldly name what it is that's on your heart, because this is just true. And can we say amen to this? God cares about what is on your heart. God cares about what is on your heart. God cares so deeply about what is on your heart. So please share it, reveal it, open it up to him because God wants to meet you there. So as we come to communion, I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is for you and that at Christmas we get to see the amazing gift and generosity of God. So we should not be hesitating to boldly go into his presence and say, God, this is where I'm at today. This is what I need. Would you meet me here? Because God is faithful and just to hear our prayers and to meet us in the spaces where we are at. So I want to invite you to do that. And so let us uh, close our time together with prayer. God, I just ask in this moment, would we have the courage to truly name those things that are heavy on our hearts, the big and the small things that we are asking for, longing for, and desiring? I pray, God, would we continue to see answered prayers as we boldly go into your presence? God, might we be like truly little children just calling to you and saying, God, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. Lord, I pray that as we ask and as we uh, go to you in prayer, that you would actually draw us closer, that you would open us up, and that this would build trust as we see you moving and active in our lives. I pray, God, that with this Advent and with this 2020 be the year and the season of answered prayers. Lord, would there be shocking and amazing, miraculous answered prayers for things that people have maybe been praying about for weeks, for months, and for decades. I pray, Lord, would we continue to see you moving in our lives. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. And so now, as we come to communion, I want to invite you to really center your heart on Jesus, to really center your soul and your spirit on Jesus in this moment. 
I want to read a traditional opening to communion. And then together we want to practice this as a community, as a community, trusting in Jesus that he will meet us where we are at. And so as a traditional opening to communion, we read this. This is the table, not of the church, but of Jesus Christ. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. Come, you who have been here often and you who have not been here a long time or ever before. Come, all of you who have tried to follow and all of us who have failed. Because these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, not because the church invites you. Come, because it is Jesus Christ who invites you to be known and fed here. And so today, we turn our hearts and our thoughts towards God the Father, towards God the Son, and God the Spirit, who are truly generous and giving. And we especially are remembering of that, not only at Christmas, but at Jesus' death and resurrection. And so on the night when Jesus was betrayed, we read this. That Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had thanked God for it, he broke it into pieces, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray together. God, today, as we remember your broken body, we come to you with all of our brokenness, and we ask, might you heal us? Might you move within us? Might we see you? Lord, we are so grateful for your sacrifice that cleanses us of all sin. And so, Lord, as we receive that, we ask might we continue to go to you as well in prayer, naming the things that we are longing for and searching for and hoping for. We are so grateful for your gift and your sacrifice to us as a generous and a good God. And so today, Lord, we turn our hearts and our souls towards you in thanks and gratefulness and appreciation. We pray this in your name. Amen. And then after supper, Jesus took another cup of wine and he said, this wine is a token of God's new covenant to save you, an agreement sealed with the blood that I will pour out for you. This moment is actually remembrance that God comes true on his promises. That's what a covenant is, that God is faithful and true to what he has promised to you and what he has promised to me. And so let's turn to our, our hearts towards God in prayer. God, we are so grateful for your death and your sacrifice that actually cleanses us of all sin and adopts us into your family. Lord, we pray, might we continue to serve you faithfully and obediently. And Lord, we also are so grateful for you being true to your promises. I pray, God, that we might continue to see you moving in our lives, answering prayers as we seek to live faithfully and obediently following you. And we pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And so to close our time together, we want to uh, end with a time of worship and a time of reflection. That as we sing this last song, we want to invite you to continue to remember all of those themes of, of asking and receiving, of thankfulness and gratefulness to Jesus. And will we use this time to center our hearts and our focus on him? And let us not be ashamed to boldly go into God's presence, naming what it is that we need, because we do truly worship and follow a good and a generous and a gracious God that at Christmas we should be so, so grateful for. Let's do that together.